My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be the subject of fewer rumors. And this is Burn Noticed, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to get in touch with us for any reason, unless you want to criticize us, which is impossible because we're perfect, check the episode notes for our contact info. And that's it. It still feels too short, even though I'm glad we're doing it short. I'm so glad it's short. So what are rumors? What rumors are there? Well, so I have to be vague because they're... Because I don't pay attention to your life outside of the... the... Yeah, we don't talk as much in our life unless it's in context of this. It'll be interesting what our friendship looks like post-Burn Noticed. I have often thought, I may have said this a couple of times, that we should have a role-playing game. Oh, yeah, we have yeah. talked about that before. Yeah, I think, we, like, we that's should. the thing that makes the most sense, where it's, like, structured enough mm-hmm. that, like, a thing like this, but it's also not I'm also imagining, like, a slightly more casual, like, basically book club, but for TV, where we I just, like, regularly that. meet. And we don't, I mean, you don't always have to come to me. Is, like, we can, like, meet halfway. That's what I literally do with, like, most of my friends. Like, exactly. that is, like, how I maintained relationships during the pandemic. It is how I keep in touch with Joe and Tony. It's how I keep in touch with, like, Hallie. It's, like, all these people. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. My mom, you know. Yeah, we'll we'll figure that out later. Right. <laughs> we'll talk about next relationship, That's next off. relationship. That's. <laughs> oh my god! But That's it... a good enough joke that you might have to keep it on the podcast. <laughs> I was like, we're cutting all that out, but I was like, no, no, not necessarily. But oh, all I can say on mic, because not because I think anyone involved in this is listening, but because just to keep it safe, um, I am a part of a group of people okay (laughs) it could be anyone it could be any context so i am a part of a group i am a member of a group that has been toxic for a long time and i used to be a lot more upfront about trying to fix this toxicity and then i stopped because who cares right because i can't care anymore it's too much so i Took myself out of the narrative. I will say, it is not this group that we are currently in. No, 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 no. Uh, It is not. But I... It's another group. It's another group. A, a different one. Yeah. And anyways, I... So I took myself out of... I, I removed myself from the narrative a la Eliza Hamilton. And I have just, like, tried to stay in my own fucking lane. Unfortunately, my reputation precedes me, and certain things have started going back into motion of trying to fix the toxicity because it's gotten, like, truly so bad. And it was anonymously reported. So technically, there is no one person that can be blamed for putting things back out into the open. But it's been assumed that it's me. I have been cornered in several ways where no one is saying outright, we think you're the witch, Brie, but the implication in every framework suggests that they do believe this. And do, they think you're, this... do they think you're a rat? Yeah, they do. They think I'm a rat. There's a witch hunt and I'm the witch, except I'm not. You're a rat. I'm a rat. I'm a dirty little rat. And it's just, it's become this very fascinating thing where it's not just that, uh, that they assume that it's me, but there's also a separate thing that they have compounded to try and complete the narrative of me being a rat witch, where there is a rumor that I am being like condescending and belittling to a person. And why would that be a rumor that's just true because you're like that all the time? <laughs> because in this case, it's not true. There were sep- there were two separate, completely unrelated incidents that involved. Uh, this other person who they have, the people who think I'm the witch have connected and are certain of. And it took me like three weeks of investigating on my own to figure out just what the fuck anyone was talking about. And then when I finally brought it to the person I'm allegedly being condescending to, they were like, what are you talking about? I was not talking about you at all. We're great. We're totally good. And I like, even though I was 90%, 5% certain that was going to be the res- results of this investigation, there was still a, an element of relief because as you noted, I am a rat. I am yeah. frequently condescending. Right. <laughs> but not to this person. This person I am constantly giving praise to because I like them a lot. And so the fact that there was a Again, narrative. this is not us. No, 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 no. The, the fact that there was this weird rumor narrative that I'm this like tyrant monster to this specific person was super, super confounding to me. As confounding as the last time there was a prominent rumor about me, which was back in high school, I had a, I was in speech and debate and a girl on the speech and debate team, I may have told you this 
story before. There was a girl on a competing speech and debate team who it was a, I think the tournament was like state qualifiers. So we were all debating to be in state. And I knew because I had friends on her team that she couldn't go to state. So she was there because the team made her because they didn't have enough people to attend otherwise. But she was purposefully like largely throwing her rounds because like if she won, it wouldn't mean anything because she can't go to state. Right. Yeah. But then I had a debate with her and she was not (laughs) throwing the round. In fact, she seemed like genuinely mad at me and trying to destroy me. And I still won because I'm exceptional. But I was really confused Uh, because I I, like didn't know this girl very well. I just knew her teammates. And so I later asked one of her teammates, I was like, hey, so I know what's going on, like generally, but I just had an interaction with this girl that seems not like that and he's like oh yeah she like hates you and I was like what why does she hate me I I don't think I've ever had a long conversation with her and he's like apparently there's a rumor going around that you called her a dirty hoe oh you've told me this story (laughs) yeah the dirty hoe story because it's such a fucking insane thing for me to say yeah there was no version of me from childhood to now that has ever been the kind of person to use the phrase dirty hoe in Espe- any context. Especially as anything other than like congratulatory. <laughs> exactly. But like, no, it, 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 like it feels like this again. Like I've never felt more like I'm in high school than this circumstance because it's just, it's such a bizarre thing that fucks with your head because it's like, it's so absurd that you're like, did I? <laughs> It's like, yeah, who would make this up? Exactly. It's so strange that, like, you can't get it out of your head and you start to gaslight yourself. The only person that I can imagine you calling a dirty hoe is me with affection. (laughs) Exactly. On mic, where the world and God can hear. Exactly. (laughs) This is is all reinforcing the thing that I've always believed, Mm -hmm. which is that, like, I want you to be successful. I also think you should never, ever be famous. Yeah, it's it's a scary tightrope. You would be canceled instantly. Mm-hmm. You would just be canceled. And not even because I think you were a particularly bad person or deserving of being canceled. Not particularly it's, bad. No, yeah. Just bad standard. No, of course. Uh, unadorned no, bad. Yeah, unadorned bad. <laughs> like, it's not like, it's just because I feel like everything about you as a person means that you would get canceled. Just like Mm -hmm. the way that you react to things, the way that people react to you. And that seems to be the primary thing. And it's so, like, as a person who lives in my body, it's confusing. No, I get it. On a personal level, it's one thing. Like, I understand why certain friendships don't work out, you know, with like the occasional time. But also, like, even when friendships don't work out, I don't think there is ever a like, there's or at least rarely or to my knowledge a conclusion that like i'm a fundamentally bad and broken person it's more that like this just doesn't vibe right you know and like it's it's just it's confounding to me but especially in more structured organizations like speech and debate like work like film sets things like that it's like I don't think I have ever given the impression that I'm giving less than 120% at any time. No. And that I'm 100% above board because I respect competency too much to ever let myself behave with any less than that in a professional capacity. Yes. And that's why the fact that this keeps happening to me, not keeps because it's been a while, obviously, it's just so like confusing for me. And that's why when I hear these random rumors about myself, I start to get in my head like, what did I do? I don't think you did. I think there's just something about I you. I give off an energy of like, give she's up- bad news. I also think that something that has come up in actual friendships, maybe between you and me, but definitely between friendships we are familiar with, um, uh-huh. mutual friendships, that like I... I'm frequently not taken at my word when I feel like I should be. No, no. I like, I get, this makes sense to me. Like, like I'm not, you know, just, I, I'm a blunt person, but I'm also like an honest person because like that is a fundamental part of how I thought the adult world would be is that you're just honest and above board and you figure your shit out and you take accountability and response. You know, like I, I have this very like libertarian idealized version of the world, but as a result, I don't like to lie or like give ha- like I'm like if somebody asks me a direct question, I'm going to answer it. Yeah, you know, and I'm going to give them information that I feel like will be helpful for the purposes of them asking this question. But I feel like very rarely am I taken at the word that I give, yeah. which is confusing to me because I'm very consistently not a liar. <laughs> Point being, 
it's fascinating to see myself through other people's eyes in a way that feels so alien that I'm having a hard time, like, reverse engineering what the fuck happened. The weirdest thing about, like, transitioning, actually, is going, oh, wait, maybe I am a Libra. (laughs) God. Of course, you're into astrology now. I mean, I'm not really. drinking oat milk chai and uh, you're... Oh my god, I can't even look at you. <laughs> Can you look at this episode of Burnettesque? Uh, well, oh I don't know why you're asking me. It's your fucking episode. <laughs> You've had the power in I... your hands the whole time. Tell me the nature of the beast. I was trying to transition. <laughs> this episode, season seven, episode eight, is called The Nature of the Beast. Without a the, just Nature of the Beast. And aired on August 1st, 2013. It was written by Bridget Tyler, Famously horny writer. Famously this episode is writer. disappointingly not horny. No, I know. I When I saw her name and we were like, oh, this is her final episode. I was like, ooh, what are we going to get? I mean, listen, there's a couple of scenes. We'll get to them where I'm like, I'm detecting horniness. Right. And direct- she was definitely aroused writing these lines. Right. And directed by Tanya McKiernan. This is her second and last episode. I, is this the only episode of Burn Notice that was written and directed by a woman? I think so, because yeah. Mira Smith only directed one or two episodes. Did, I thought like Mira Smith season. wrote. Did she write? I Mira can Smith never remember. Mira Smith is uh, the Mutant Enemy one. And then who's the who's the women woman director that we saw? Denny Gordon? Denny Gordon, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I don't think they overlapped in right. timeline. And like those are the only two that I, I know of before Lisa Joy joined. Uh-huh. And we basically don't have any female directors for like several seasons while Lisa Joy is on staff. So I don't I just don't think like logistically it would have I mean I don't know, I feel like Denny Gordon shows up a few times. It's possible that Denny Gordon could have directed a Lisa Joy. I don't episode. think she has though. I um, I don't think it's like one of the fee episodes might have been I don't I don't think so. I think like yeah, I don't remember which one. I feel like there's a I can I can independently confirm this later. If yeah, we can confirm cares. it later. Yeah, but but like, I I buy that this is the first. Uh, it's very easy to assume that I, this is our first gal pal episode. Right, it's our first gal pal episode, and the premise of it, according to IMDb, is while Michael is tasked by the organization he infiltrated to take down a drug smuggler, Fiona, Jesse, and Strong find out more about its leader, James. I literally can't see the name James without saying "girls love cool video James." I don't know what that is. I think it's a McElroy thing. It sounds like a McElroy thing. I think thing. it might be specifically a um, an Adventure Zone balance thing. It could be. I feel like it, like from one of an earlier episodes. I, I look at it and go, that used to be my middle name. Oh, yeah. No, I just look at it and go, girls love cool video, James. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about this yeah, episode I mean, more there's nothing, in the yeah, weeds. Exactly. There's let's nothing else to do with this episode, but just okay. hop right into the weeds. There's no conceptual things we no, need to grapple with first. This is... This is, I don't know if it will be, but this is an episode of television. Like, this is yeah, like, this is an episode of television. This is like a come down from the last week. Mm-hmm. It, there always had to be a come down from last week. Right. Like, there was no way that, like, this episode was going to be as good as last week. This Even is, if it is, was... This is the awkward pillow talk after last week's climax. This episode still could have been really interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a little disappointing that it isn't really. That's honestly but, where I... And also, like, that was the thing where I looked at, like, this writer-director combo. I was like, oh... It'd be nice if there was a follow-up to last week that was really interesting in a different way mm-hmm. that was, like, really focused and keyed in on the fact that, like, this is, like, a fee episode or something. Mm-hmm. That's like Especially with the revelation at the end of last episode that Michael's first reaction to any stimuli was seeing Fee's face and sobbing. This could have been a great Fallout episode. Yeah. Like, you know... Um, With Michael kind of, like, a little bit disoriented and, like, you know, almost throwing himself too much into the cult because right. he, like, he needs some stability because, like, some things shook loose in him last week. Like, last week was a little bit the body. Mm-hmm. This episode could have been the episode that's right after the body that's also really good, but just is a little more conventional. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I agree. But it wasn't. And that's yeah. fine. All right. No. Instead, we start and Michael is waiting at a, race, a restaurant uh, for James because the plan is now immediately that they're just going to grab him. Like, because I was like genuinely kind of shocked. They're like, well, we got James now. We're immediately going to, immediately going to grab James and arrest him. Cause we have him now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, I guess we're okay. And I mean, there's a part of me that kind of likes that. Yeah. Cause that's all they were like. The only reason that they were waiting this out is because they realized Burke wasn't the tip of the iceberg. And so they're like, well, let's find him. And they're all they want to do is just pluck him. 
yeah, interrogate him and then figure exactly. out the rest of it. But it's like if you cut the head off the Hydra, you know, that's what we need. Right. Exactly. So he is there in this diner, like Strong and his men, not Fee and Jesse, it's all Strong's guys, mm-hmm. are all watching this meeting from far away. And then the waitress who works there uh, gives Michael a phone that's got like a picture of Madeline and Charlie on it. And Michael. And Michael. Like she, she's yeah. like, you dropped your phone. And he's like, I didn't. <laughs> it's like he's never seen a spy movie before. Right. It's so weird that... <laughs> It's so weird that he does not immediately go, oh. <laughs> like, it's so weird that he genuinely thinks that it's someone else's phone. Exactly. Like, but then she hands it to him and, like, the lock screen image is, like, from across the street with him, like, playing with Charlie with Madeline nearby. I think that they really wanted that image mm-hmm. and had to make him not think it was, like, just so they could get that bit. Which is too bad because, like, I right. think that it could have played similarly to how it goes. But if it was more like Michael was kind of distracted and Strong was like, hey. Hey, I know you're kind of like dazed still, but like, yeah. are you ready for this? Michael's, yeah, I'm ready. And so it's like, if we see him being already a little bit distracted by like everything, right. the fallout, then okay. him being like, oh, that's not my phone. Like more casually, like instead of being like, that's not my phone, you know? Right. It's weird how little this episode feels like it was after that last episode. Right. Mm-hmm. It feels like they were written very siloed. <laughs> Like, exactly. completely separately. It's like an exquisite corpse project. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, television is a little bit. Um, but yeah, so James calls on the phone, tells him, well, we're not meeting here, obviously. There's a car that's like about a block away. It's a black car. Go. You have like two minutes. Like Get that there. episode from season one. Where, yeah. Remember that one? I don't. No, but... it's the one where he's going to meet Toby Ziegler and he like goes to one location and then has like five minutes to run a mile to like right. the next. Yeah. And he's like running all over and then he has to run back to the original one to meet up with him and it was like forcing michael to like get his cardio in for the day and i i felt like that was a callback it might not have been but there was a part of me that was like i remember this i mean that one feels like a set piece more than this does Mm -hmm. this is just like a little sequence but like but we haven't seen it in a while that's true of like Uh, if you want to be a part of this you have two minutes yeah and he has to run he does it like strong is so pissed that he has no idea what's going on Mm -hmm. he can't hear the phone doesn't know any of it and so, and then Michael runs to like get to this car and he finds the street and there's like six cars, all identical. I kind of wish that we got more of this, mm-hmm. like, cause it's a cool idea, but you don't quite get the payoff of it. Right. It's oh. like when you have to go meet a clown and then the clown turns around and there's like an entire clown convention. Yeah, exactly. Kind of a thing. No, but it's this thing of like, because the point of this is to make them hard to trace. Yeah. But you never see them like go, oh all the cars it's all just kind of implied that that's why it's there well we see all the cars drive off in different directions exactly but you never see agent strong seeing the cars yeah and like you kind of part of me wants that payoff of like oh it worked Mm -hmm. you know like it did work that might be something that was written and then cut for time 100% was cut for time it was just like we don't need it Mm -hmm. but you wish we'd had it I wish we had it you know just because it's nice after this we get a scene with James and Michael where James explains this whole deal which is essentially CIA sucks, which is obviously true. But then he follows it up with, because they assassinate the wrong foreign citizens without trial. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's bad that they do this stuff. Like, we should be killing people extrajudiciously. Like, that should be happening. But, like, we're doing the wrong people and the wrong people. Like, this his feels- argument is that, like, the, the guy that they're going to deal with in this episode is like, they're not killing this guy. They should be. It's like, they're working with this guy. That is, like, the worst thing about the CIA is that, like, they collude with criminals. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it, it, it feels very, like, MCU villain of them, where it's, like, instead of just letting the villain have a good point and have to grapple with the moral ambiguity, it's, like, the villain has a good point that's then immediately undercut by some right. nonsense bullshit. So it's, it's like, you know... The in like in Black Panther, which I uh, love, it's a great movie. But like Michael B. Jordan's character is like your colonizers who are like trying to, you know, steal my my culture. I'm going to take it back from you. And it's like, yeah, that's valid. A lot of Michael B. Jordan's shit is super valid. And then it's undercut by him just like murdering everyone and being obsessed right. with murder. And it's like, no, you don't need that part. Like those, two he things, can just be right. Those two things are not like. One does not suggest the other. Exactly. It's not like they're not connected. Like there's like it's not a thing that necessarily because he believes all these things, he also wants to murder people. Like that's not a necessary kind of thing that would happen. Exactly. And this yeah. is the 
point of the season where I like even after the high of last week, this episode made me nervous because I was really hoping with the time that we have left for them to genuinely grapple with like the CIA is bad. Well, no, I think like. I don't this like is... the cop out of because they they work with criminals because well, Michael works with criminals. Well, I want to tell we'll get to the very end. Mm-hmm. I like like I think the very end of this episode is really like exemplary of like everything that this show believes mm-hmm. in terms of like its its morality and its politics and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like we'll talk about that when we get to the end. But I think like I don't even feel like it's a Michael B. Jordan situation because again, there's no there's no consistent coherency and consistency between the like having these grievances and wanting to murder people. Mm -hmm. But I think there's something actually very consistent about the worldview, this worldview that these Mm. characters have. But um, we'll go into more. But first, he he briefs Michael on his mission because now Michael is just getting missions Mm -hmm. from James. His mission, should he choose to accept it, is he's got to find this guy named Marco Cabral, who was a killer and a drug smuggler that the British made a deal with and James is mad about it. (laughs) And this is what Burke was working on before he died. Right. And so it would be nice for Burke, for if Michael finished this, for Burke's memory. Which, like, Michael seems to like Burke enough that, like, that kind of maybe is playing. Also, I do think there's a lot this episode gets wrong. I think there's one thing this, ep- one scene this episode gets really right. I'm and, excited to see it yeah, through your eyes. Exactly. But meanwhile, Agent Strong calls Jesse and explains that Sam is Michael's plus one. (laughs) And so Jesse and Fee have been assigned to the B-plot, which is uh, talking to this mental patient whose bills James pays for. Basically, there is this guy. He's a mental patient. James is paying a lot of money. How do Um, they know he is if they don't know what his last name is yet? Do you remember uh, how they connect this? like, Like, how do they know that James, no last name, pays for this guy in a mental hospital? If they don't know his last name yet. Do you remember how they got this information? I do not remember. Maybe it's Sonio's doing it. I don't know. I forget how they know that he is involved. But, like, it's clear that, like, maybe they have some money. I genuinely do not remember. Yeah. Okay. Uh, That's fine. Like, doesn't matter. They know that these two guys are connected. Mm-hmm. Like, and that James is, like, paying for this guy's shit. Sure. And they're going to go find him and talk to him and see what's up. However, before they can go, V has to meet Madeline. I don't know if Sharon Gless was just busy this season or what, because she's in the show way less. Mm-hmm. Um, they, but they meet Madeline. This is like Madeline's like one scene, I think. Mm-hmm. Madeline tells Fee that she got a call from Carlos about how Fee is going out of town on business. And is like, Michael is great and all, but you have to stop doing this to yourself, girl. She says like, I am Michael's dad. I am Michael's dad. (laughs) I am Michael's mom, but I am also your friend. That, I really did like that line. Yeah. That line got me a little. No, I thought like, this was the moment where I was like, this episode could still be something. This feels like an episode. This feels like a scene that like a woman wrote and directed. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, like, no, I get that. And I think there's a couple of good scenes in here. I think this episode suffers from being, having to be a big exposition episode. Yeah, and that happens sometimes, and they're running out of time, so, you know, we're we're in the back half of the final season. Yeah, like, I think after this episode, it's every episode is co-written by two writers. Mm-hmm. This is the last solo-written episode. Yep. So she says, I'm your friend, like, you're gonna lose this guy. And she's like, yeah, I know, but also, you know, we're all gonna go to jail. <laughs> like, I think, like, the thing that this episode is trying to do that it doesn't quite succeed at, but I think it does at times, is really questioning the whole, well, everyone's going to go to jail thing. Because the thing is, like, we've been talking about the, all, this whole season about, like, everyone's going to go to jail. Yeah, the stakes of if Michael fucks up this mission. Yeah, and it's just, like, everyone's pretending, like, my, they're not all going to go to jail if Michael fails. Everyone's, like, not understanding the stakes of this. Mm-hmm. This is the first episode where they're kind of saying, no, they understand the stakes of this. And they still have reservations. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think it mostly gets that right. Mm. Uh, I feel like this this is the most sloppy thing that this season has done. I think this weird stakes tension. No, I know. But I think this is the one episode that kind of gets that right. I think it doesn't really execute stuff that well. But I do think like this, 
This, this is... episode is is, self, is self-aware of it. Yeah. No, I think so. Yes. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Fee's just like, I have to go. It's the premise of the season. She's like, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so Sam meets with Michael and he isn't happy that they're screwing up an MI6 operation. He's like, wait. And it's sort of interesting the way that he's like, because he keeps saying like, yeah, I don't like this Cabral guy either. But like, we don't want to, f- these MI6 guys are doing their jobs, you know? Um... Like, and he doesn't want to mess up this other mission. It's like, we're messing up, messing with other secret agents. Mm-hmm. And Michael's like, yeah, but also fuck this guy. Mm-hmm. This guy is like a smuggler, a drug dealer. He is a warlord. This guy sucks. Like, he does agree very much with James that this guy sucks. Mm-hmm. And Sam's like, yeah, but we don't want to fuck with other spies. Once yeah. again, I think this, similar to the very first scene, could work in the context of last episode if they added like one additional line or a slight change in how they do it, because I feel like Michael has been broken down quite a bit. And there is a kernel of something that we know he respects about this organization. We know he respected Burke's loyalty. We know he respects like Sonia's loyalty. Like he, he respects a lot of the kernels. And I think it would be interesting if Michael was almost like crossing a line that Sam had to be like, Hey man. Well, well, I was going to hold off till we got to the seat. Like, I think they succeed in that in this episode. And we'll, not in every scene. Not in every scene, but I think like as a whole. Like that's what I was really hoping for with right. this episode is it to be a little bit more like clear. It's a little, yeah, it's not as clear. Like Michael I, is acting like he's in any other episode. And I think that's the is. fundamental I problem. I think that is a very much a problem with it. But uh, we'll see. Anyway. So once they, dis- they have their argument about this, they also go over the plan, um, which is... They're going to, like, meet Cabral before MI6 does and just give him a better offer. They will distract MI6. He will come to the meeting and they will find Chuck Finley instead. I think James also specifically asked them to make this quiet. So they can't just, like, kidnap him in the open. Right, exactly. Um, Yeah, so Sam meets with Cabral, um, who is surprised to not find an MI6 agent. I am also surprised the extent to which Cabral is not, like, a caricature. (laughs) What do you mean? Like... I feel like I am genuinely surprised that this guy does not have a thick accent. Hmm. Like, he's got kind of like a quiet, maybe like Britishy, maybe Southern, South African kind of like accent. Mm-hmm. He's like kind of a debonair guy, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I remember seeing pictures of this guy and thinking like, oh God, this is going to be kind of racist. <gasps> yeah, no, he's just a fancy guy. But he's just like a fancy guy. Like, And I think that's smart. I think like this episode... If, like, this is a Barrios episode, you know what I mean? Don't even get me started. But I think, like, (laughs) a lot of times on this show, Mm -hmm. this guy would have been, like, um, really, like, scary. Joseph Coney, kind of. Yeah, exactly. And that is not who this guy is. Mm -mm. And I think that's smart. And so he shows up. He's Chuck Finley. He's like, I'm here. We have business interests here. We can pay you more money with the the MI6 can. Look, I have this literal suitcase filled with money. One million dollars. Not that much money. Mm-hmm. Weirdly, a small amount of money. I said that earlier in the season and you were like, a million dollars is a lot of money. I know, but I feel like in this situation, it feels different to me. Hits I, different? It hits different. I don't know why, like, I feel like this guy... I think you're just being contrary. And... I think I'm being contrary. Well, no, because <laughs> I think, like... No, I, I feel you, because so much of this is, like, his safety. Exactly. The thing is that, like, this is a lot of money. This is not enough money for him to, like, betray MI6. Right. Whereas, like... To live in luxury in his fancy little in life. In that episode, it was a million dollars that was, like, doing business. Sure. It was, like... A single transaction. It was a single transaction. Like, that... That's fair. That was why it kind of I still of think you're being contrary, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so... And it's like, here, take this money. And Cabral's like, or I could just kill you and take this money. And then so... My, and he's like, yeah, but I have a smike. I have a smike. <laughs> I have a smike. Don't you have a Smichael, you fool? You fool. I have a sniper named Michael, and he is going to snipe your guards and stuff. And so they run away or whatever. It's all fine. But nothing happens. Yeah, the the first offer has been made and has been rejected. I just want to really quick... We hear, like, Cabral has rejected the call. (laughs) Refusal of the call from Cabral. Yeah. Um, The only thing I want to mention about this scene that you didn't recap is the the little um, 
Sam Axe moment where Bruce Campbell moment specifically where they're about to get he's like waiting and he's got champagne and he, and he tells Michael through the comms like hey by the way I ordered the good stuff and Michael's yeah. like knock yourself out bud <laughs> but then Michael's sniper trick is he shoots the bottle of champagne yeah that's true that was really funny yeah and that, that's like a little call yeah like Bruce Campbell that I liked I like when when Sam's like being forced to do something he doesn't want to do and he's like well then I'm gonna get myself a little treat I deserve I love a that. little treat. I love that so much. It also feels kind of throwbacky. Remember how much of the show used to be about paying, who's buying for dinner? Paying for dinner. Like remember that scene where they're Michael's in the loft and Sam's underneath and they're like shoving uh they're like waving receipts at each other. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, I love this stupid show. I love this fucking stupid show so much. Yeah, no, it feels almost like that. I, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. There's a couple of kind of like little nostalgic things in this yeah. episode. I don't think it's a coincidence. No, no, that makes sense to me. But yeah, so Sam meets up with Michael and says that the mission is a bus. Like, Sam is ready to give up. Mm-hmm. He's like, uh-oh, too bad. We didn't, it didn't work. But Michael's not giving up because they have no choice. Like, I think this is the episode that is most engaging with this debate mm-hmm. about, like, like, there's no choice. We're going to go to jail. It's like, yeah, but this is bad. Yeah, I, I, I like, wonder if they could have done a better job of allowing this to st- this conversation to still be a back and forth throughout the season and making it more a matter of, like, Michael assumes this is the only choice left and right. everyone else assuming like, yeah, have like, you seen burn notice? We get out of bad situations all the time. I'm sure there's a way to get around this. Exactly. I think like this is one of those episodes of burn notice that kind of like the one that we talked about last week that I like that you don't, or actually no, a different one. I think that I argued us into getting a great episode or something wherein like, I feel like, I respect and kind of like the thing that this episode is doing, even though the rest of the season has not set it up right. Mm-hmm. It's like, like I kind of like the, I like the way the conversation is had in this episode, even if it's been had so poorly before this. But yeah, they have no choice. He decides to make it look like the British just can't properly protect Cabral from his enemies, and they're, so they're gonna s- sabotage this MI6 boat. Mm-hmm. So the like, escape boat. That the escape fighting. boat. All right. Meanwhile, in Biloxi mix. Biloxi, Mississippi, we get a little card that says Biloxi, Mississippi. I'm so happy that it's Biloxi, Mississippi. <laughs> it's great. It is just because I just love the name Biloxi. It's a good I, name. Uh, like, you know, Biloxi Blues. It's all great. In Biloxi, Agent Strong has taken Jesse and Fee to a hospital where they're secretly hiding the guy that they're going to interrogate. Like, they got them to transfer this guy into a thing that they have said is surgery. Mm-hmm. But it's really an interrogation. Sure. Um, I'm not 100% sure how they have done that, but the CIA have done that there's this guy apparently whenever he changes places he changes names they don't know the guy's name they've been calling him john doe and they're gonna interrogate him apparently he is so dangerous that he is kept sedated at all times but agent strong the dumb guy that he is has been weaning him off at all day exactly so that they can interrogate him properly agent strong is just like the bad decision man like he always makes the wrong choice and like if this was a show that was slightly more heightened i think that could be fun the problem is i agent strong doesn't make any fucking sense makes no sense he makes no sense in the burn notice universe as as it has been established the weird thing about this moment and like I was recapping this episode and it's, I really can't quite track this thing that happens wherein they kind of, the whole episode sort of hinges on the, I, the reveal that like this guy is a, not a guy that James likes, but is a guy that James is imprisoning. Like everyone assumes that this is like a person that like he has a positive relationship with yeah it's like his brother who he's like take still taking care exactly. of exactly but it's like it's obviously not that it's not like he is being sedated at all times like it's like and it's, he's a bu- muscular guy with a tattoo of the armed forces like obviously this is not a cut and dry like well he's my pal and i'll take care of him like exactly from the get-go it's like this is he is a prisoner but the thing is that like but At the episode, point, you're totally right. And that is something that I had a hard time with. Is the episode does hinge on, like, that being a reveal. But it's also a, a thing of, like, at a certain point, it starts to sound like the CIA were holding him. Like, the CIA, like, Agent, Agent Strong starts acting like 
they have been holding him all this time. Like, because, like, all but of didn't these, they, like, just discover him? They just discovered him. That's what I'm saying is that, like, all of the way that they know so much about, like, the guy's different names and the sedation and everything, they're all, like, super, he's super aware of it like it's a CIA organized thing. I think it's more like once they found this guy, they looked into his medical history. No, it is, that is what it is. Mm-hmm. But, like. It's not played that way. It's, it. It plays weird. I mean, this whole yeah. this whole sequence plays weird. It's yeah. like as soon as he's escaped, which is about to happen, like he's he's loose in the mental hospital. The horse is loose in the hospital. I'm like, ooh, that's an interesting and kind of cool set piece. But because I know how much time we have to dedicate to the fucking boat explosion, I'm like, man, I wish we had more time to live yeah, in this world. This is the better half of the episode, yeah, for sure. This is like, but they get so little time. Yeah, and it's too bad because, like, yeah, that's. You know, it's like your thing with factories. It's like, I like it when we're, like, trapped in, like, a, a medical facility. Right, exactly. there's so many props you can use. And, and yeah. And so, like, Jesse's like, we have to lock this place down. Mm-hmm. Agent Strong's like, we can't do that. That'll blow the whole thing. And so Jesse gets the idea that they should call the CDC and say, there's an... Like, there's anthrax here or something, you have to quarantine it. Mm-hmm. This doesn't matter. No, basically it it's just It seems like it's going to matter. John Doe has escaped and they don't know where he is, but they know he hasn't left. So because it's too obvious, if they just shut it down, they have to have a like excuse to shut it down. But it's also kind of like, if they had just shut it down, I don't think I would have questioned it. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I would not. It's like one it's of those... It's an unnecessary detail. Yeah, it's one of those like pieces of writing where it's like very clear that like the writer thought, oh, if I don't address this, people are going to... It's going to be a plot hole. It's going to be a plot hole. I'm going to solve it. But then it doesn't come to anything. Like it may... They really make it seem like the like quarantine is going to matter because there's been other episodes. There's that really good episode with the guy... With, and Lauren Simile. Yeah, exactly. Where that's all about quarantining. Mm-hmm. The quarantining never matters. I guess it's more a matter of like, if it's obviously a government thing, then James will know. No, no. Like that is... I guess that's... That is textually why it's happening. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like that. No. It does not feel like that at all. There's not really, like, the quarantine does not matter anyway. It is just yeah. a thing that is said to get rid of a plot hole. As and opposed to, like... you can do that, but then it has to mean something later. Exactly. I, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm on the same page. Yeah, and that's a problem. I At this point in the episode, I thought the quarantine was going to matter. Mm-hmm. It does not. No. But yes, so Sam and Michael uh, set up at the MA6 meeting, and Michael prepares to put a charge on the boat... But Cabral shows up early and wants to check the boat. So Michael has to hurry and get the bomb on there and blow it up before it's too late. And he almost dies, but it works. And it's a fun sequence. Yeah, it's a fine sequence. Well, basically what happens is he was going to, like, swim in, get on the boat, but then he doesn't have time. So he ends up putting it under the dock instead. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's the only place he can reach. And then there's, like, a spy tip about, like, your bones can get shattered if it right. explodes underwater. And so he... You know, it's like a decent sequence. None of it really matters, but it's no. like you know. But the, yeah, but that that that's what happens. Yeah, that's fine. I will say this: it happens I'm awful always quick. kind of excited when Michael Weston is underwater. <laughs> I, it did remind me uh, of that fucking submarine that they had for one episode, and then they were like, "My payment is I keep the submarine," and then it literally never comes up ever again. Ever again. They gave the bird out his crew a fucking submarine and it never comes up. It's so wild. What is the I sometimes burn notice just really drops the ball. Right. <laughs> but also like I I don't know. There's something about Jeffrey Donovan in water that I find compelling. I can't explain it. He looks good wet. He looks good wet. The man looks good wet. <laughs> I think like He's got kind of a lithe, little bit like swimmery body. Like he's not like a, because he's not a built he's dude. Such a fucking pervert. <laughs> but I will say, as a pervert myself, known pervert Brie Castellini, is that I think that just Michael Weston looks good, dirty. Like it, he we're, does. We're so used to seeing him as this like very beige, clean cut dude. But anytime he's a little dirty, we always like it. Right. No, there's there's that one episode where he's he's like in a scruffy when he's sweating. There's like that one episode where he's like in a swamp and there's like bombs in the swamp. Do you remember? Like, I don't know. It's like he's in a. I don't. Is that the first Lisa Joy episode where he's with like that drug dealer and they're being chased through the Everglades? It might be. And he has to like take out like an army with just him and like a limping drug dealer. Because I remember it because when I was doing screenshots for the episode, one of the ones that I did was like him in the water and he's got like this trip wire or something. I always thought it was a really well-framed shot, but I also mm. just like look at it and go like, look at him. He looks so at home in the water. 
<laughs> like so at home in the water. That yeah, I don't know what your weird water thing is, but I I am going to interpret it as when Michael Weston's not clean cut, dry and beige is yeah. when he is at his peak. That is when he is at his peak. So yeah, so it works. Cabral's like fuck the MI6. I never I no longer feel this is no longer a safe space. I'm gonna exactly. go talk to Chuck Finley now. Exactly. Um, so Michael and Sam wait for Cabral to call. And this is the point where, like, Sam starts is questioning if this isn't worse than life imprisonment. He's like, you keep saying the life imprisonment, but, like, you'll be dead. Like, it might be better to be alive mm-hmm. and in prison than dead and doing this stuff. And they're not, and he's like, we're not even sure he's going to call. But then he calls. Mm-hmm. And, like, Michael's kind of smug and stuff's like, don't be smug. <laughs> and that's good. I like that. Yeah. Mule back in Biloxi, they can't find John Doe, and all they have is some security cam footage that suggests that he's gone on the roof. But Jesse uh, doesn't buy it and thinks it's a ploy. I do love, like, Jesse and Strong scenes, because, like, Jesse's always like, you fucking idiot. (laughs) But, like, not. But it's just kind of like, I like it. Sometimes watching these scenes, I'm like, I could watch a show of Burn Notice that's just about Jesse. I I mean, I've always felt that way. I yeah. love Jesse. But, like, I like the way that he handles things. It feels different. Like, you could build a show around this guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know why no one has built a show around this guy. Yeah, it's like, Jesse is so funny because he's, like, the goofball, but also in every situation he assumes he's in charge. <laughs> and, like, that's, I think, the fun thing about him and Strong is, like, Strong is, like, I'm in charge. And Jesse's, like, okay, bud. No, he's just got, like, this, like, he's kind of goofy, but he's very confident. Mm-hmm. He's got, like, there's a boyishness to him, but, like, he knows what he's doing. And he's not, he's like, like, annoyingly cocky. It's no, he's like, not. Because he's not a young Bruce Campbell, you know? He's no. not, like, a suave, chinny kind of guy. No, he's not, like, like that he's, at all. He's sweet, I think. He's sweet. It? There's a sweetness to him. Mm-hmm. Like, he is this, like, very masculine, but it's this very kind of, not even soft masculinity, mm-hmm. but it's like this kind of just like daddy, but not daddy in the like daddy <laughs> way, but like right. daddy in the like, you know. He's, he like girl dad. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, like very much. <laughs> girl dad I'm, energy. I'm very attracted to him. <laughs> hey, Chris, can I just say? What? I told you it was a horny episode. Fair enough. This is the second time we've already been like kind of horny. We've been horny about Wet Michael. We've been horny about Girl Dad Jesse. You're right. This is and this is the thing that like it's not an overtly horny episode, but it's like it presents horniness and is like if you would like it to be horny, you know, take the red pill. <laughs> if you'd like it to not be horny, just ignore that. Oh my god. Anyway, so Jason Strong says, well, there's no nowhere else he can be but the roof. And then Fee is like, it could be in the elevator shaft. And so they split up. And it's actually, this is a fun sequence where, like, mm-hmm. they each approach the elevator shaft. Like, they open the doors on, like, three different floors mm-hmm. and, like, look for the guy. And then he happens to be on Jesse's level and he knocks out Jesse. And he, like, knocks out the guys who are with Jesse. Mm-hmm. And that's a really fun sequence. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Michael and Sam are waiting for Cabral in a parking garage. This is the scene that I think works. Okay. Walk uh, me through it. They're going to catch him and they're going to put, so you can put James in this pit or whatever. Also, at this point in the episode, kind of thought the reveal was going to be that like what he did to like John Doe, he does to all bad guys. Mm, you know? Interesting. I thought that was going to be what it was. Because the way that like they kind of say the pit, there's something there. It wasn't that. But yeah, so Sam once again states he is worried that Michael is in too deep. And then Michael says... Yeah, me too. Like, I miss that. I don't know how I missed that, but no, that's, I think like that that's is what I was looking for. You're right. No, no, it was literally a thing of like, he says like, yeah, that's why you're here. He literally like says like, that is why you're here. I'm kind of scared that I am too into this. I don't think this is like, it could go bad. I need you to be here. And he does. He is really vulnerable in this moment, and like he really sells it. I think, and like I do see a little bit of like. The guy who from last week there. But also just because, like, they have been playing Michael much more emotional in this season in general. Sure, yeah. But, like, yeah, I, like, he kind of has this moment where he says, like, yeah, I might be too much. You need to be here. You need to, like, I need help. Mm-hmm. You know? And I really like that. I'm really glad you're here, Chuck. Yeah. Yeah, he says, like, I can't do this alone. And then Cabral arrives and refuses, quite reasonably, to abandon his security to get in the car with a stranger. Yep. So Michael has to hit his security guy with a car. <laughs> Well, Sam knocks out Cabal with his, like, suitcase full of a million dollars. 
and shoves him in the car. Yep. And they get out of there. Meanwhile, back in Biloxi, I love, I just keep on saying I Biloxi. know. I, you, it's not even written in your notes. And I was like, she's going to say back in Biloxi. No, she's uh, going to say back in Biloxi. Uh, Chando straps an improvised bomb to Jesse and starts asking questions. He wants to know if James is working with, uh, Jesse is working with James Kendrick. And Jesse's like, he has a last name. <laughs> it's like, you just told me more than I've known in months. And they both kind of realize that they are reading this situation completely wrong. Mm-hmm. So Fee and Strong blast their way into the room and Jesse gets them to talk. And Doe explains that James put him in there as punishment. And Jesse gets everyone to agree that they all hate James. <laughs> the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Exactly. Like, it's kind of... Which is a fun... I like the moment where they both realize they're wrong, but I don't buy it. Yeah, it does That's the fundamental flaw of this sequence. Right. Yes, I agree. I, lo- I love the whole mental institution. I love that they're bringing him off drugs. I love that instantly he's like, fuck this, I'm out. Like, I love all of it. I agree that I like the staging of the elevator sequence. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a well-shot, well-paced thing, but I fundamentally don't buy the central premise of it. Right, And yeah. you need to. No, you do. Yeah, no, it's very clear that they're both like, yeah, like, and he says, like, this guy is a victim. Mm-hmm. And, like, they go, oh, I guess he is. And, like, it should have been much more obvious. Yeah. It's weird that that's the big reveal but anyway they all agree they all hate james kendrick mm-hmm. um so anyway michael and sam are on their way to the marina with cabral where they are stopped in the middle of the road by some guys with very big guns on a very big truck and sam pretends to give them cabral but really it's michael yeah um, they, they have like a bag over his head they have a bag over his head like the thing that's kind of wild to me about this is like the entirety of the dis- the disguise kind of relies on knowing that Cabral previously had a bag over his head in that shirt. Mm-hmm. Like it's unclear that these because these guys aren't necessarily Cabral's guys. Yeah, it's not a hundred percent clear who they are actually. Yeah, well, they said they they have a name. It's like you said, like the DCA guys. I don't know. Like they're kind of like. The thing is, he controls a lot of local government. He has, like, a lot of allies in local government. So these are kind of just cops or something, or military. Maybe this is just, like, the kind of shirt he wears. Like how Nate used to wear, like, exclusively (laughs) at party. But that is the thing, is that, like, it kind of only has to play if you look at that shirt and go, that's a Cabral shirt. Like, it has, and, like, to be fair, it's a very distinctive-looking shirt. Mm -hmm. And Michael... Don't look bad on it. Don't look bad on it. Like he looks good in dark blue. He, there's no way that they're, they're not the same height though. Like right? Yeah, I I mean I haven't really seen them standing next to each other because yeah. mostly we've seen Chuck and Cabral. I don't think we've actually seen Michael and Cabral yeah. standing next to each other. Like they they tie they tie his hands behind his back because otherwise it would be immediately given away. <laughs> they, for the best, frankly, never acknowledge this. Nope. <laughs> uh. But yeah, they just like tie his hands behind his back. Can like, you imagine if Jason Tracy wrote this episode? I know you made the, the joke about Barrios earlier. I think, frankly, Jason Tracy would be a worse writer for this episode. No, right. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. No. And Jason Tracy is objectively a better writer. Right. But he would be worse assigned for this episode. No, I agree. Um, That's the big problem with Jason Tracy is they keep assigning him to things that he should not be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're not setting him up for success. They are not. But yeah, so they give... They give them Cabral, but really it's Michael, and he gets the drop on them, and they steal their very big gun truck. At which point they arrive at the meetup point uh, with James. They give Cabral to him, and James will not let like him go. Them go with him on the boat. She's like, "Here, here's some plane tickets. We're done now." And then they just kind of fucking leave. Yep, <laughs> I love it. I that I do genuinely kind of love. It's like. <laughs> It's, guess this is over. It's, it's very anticlimactic. Uh, it is in a way that I actually do kind of like. Um, they're like, they just fucking go home. <laughs> it's like, okay, all right, weekend over. And finally, Michael gets back to the U.S. and meets with Agent Strong, who says that John Doe will only talk to the person who was with James. And Doe explains the whole deal. They were best friends in the CIA. They get sent in a mission with a bunch of special forces guys to take out a warlord camp. But it turns out that it was bad intelligence. And it's just some guys with guns that are just in like a village, essentially women and children. Mm -hmm. And like, because their their orders were to wipe out the camp. John Doe guy did not want to do that. No one super wanted to do that because it's not like a thing but the cia director guy who sent them out on this mission wants to save face he doesn't want to admit that it was bad intelligence bad intelligence they so he tells them you got to kill these women and children essentially mm-hmm. um and then none of the guys want to do it but they all are unwilling to disobey a direct order um john doe doesn't want to do it so he's talking to his friend james and james says 
I will handle it. Mm-hmm. James, it's the throats of all the special forces guys in their sleep. And that is, that is the tragic backstory of James and this guy. <laughs> and Do we the, know this guy's name? I think he may have said, but I've already forgotten. You care. Um, but like, the thing about this moment, and I think this is the moment that really s- sells, not sells, but like kind of exhibits the fundamental limitations of this show's morality. Yeah. Is that like, the guy playing the scene plays it like this is so horrifying. Like he is so scared of James. Like James is so bad that he just slid all these guys' throats. And it's like, yeah, I know. Like, it's also like, that's not the worst thing that anyone's done. And also it's like... Yeah, frankly, the imagined uh, scene, what this reminded me of was the from a couple of episodes ago, the hacker alias, where Fee explains that, like, the, that, the guy that they're after or whatever, like, cut off their hands and put the severed hands on the keyboards and, like, left it staged. Like, for some reason, that's what I was thinking of this whole time. And I was like, that's frankly better. No, no, but the thing about this scene is that, like... The fundamental, like, message that it's saying about the the CIA, the, like, thing that it is saying about the CIA and why the CIA is bad is because it's got guys like these who are, like, willing to do stuff like this to save face. Like, that is why the CIA is bad. And, like, the, the only villain in this story is the guy who wants to save face. And, like, we should be really horrified that he killed these men who would have slaughtered women and children. Mm-hmm. It, like, because they did not want to disobey an order that was given by, like, a corrupt system. Mm -hmm. That, like, they are all taking part in a system that is, like, perfectly willing to kill, like, women and children for whatever reason. Like, like, it's it's bad that they killed these guys. But it's like, these guys were also going to kill innocent people. Mm -hmm. They were going to kill innocent people, and these men were not innocent people. Like, these men are not, but the show thinks that they are mm-hmm. because the show sides fundamentally with any man who is doing his job. Yep. The thing about this show is that, like, they're de- like we're supposed to think that this act is horrifying because the ultimate defense that these men have is that they were just following orders. Mm-hmm. This show is a little too positive on the idea that they were just following orders. Yep. And that is the limit of this show's morality. That is why its critiques of the CIA will never work. I know. And it's too bad. Like, this is the episode where I was like, ah, shit, we're not going to get anything exciting. Like, I'm sure Michael will quit the CIA for lots of of reasons. But, like, it won't ever be because he has to fundamentally grapple with that it's a corrupt organization on a structural level. Yeah, it's on a structural level. It's not just, like, a like, a corrupt organization that everyone in it is corrupt. One of the sense that, like, it is a fundamentally flawed institution. Mm-hmm. It is bad that it exists. Yeah. Like, there's there's no, like, we fire, we kill Tom Card, and now everything's fine. It's like, no, the whole thing's got to go. Right. And the show will never admit that, and will never accept that, and it will always fall short of making a, like, final morality statement that feels in any way, like, true to what we have seen the characters go through but the thing is like even if the show fundamentally like gives up on the cia even if it says that like this one guy who wanted to kill all those women tom card and like anson all these people are clearly not isolated incidents incidents it's clear that this is like the culture of the cia even if it says that it still can't let go of the idea that these men are innocent because they were following orders. Mm -hmm. Like, it can't let go of that idea, and that is its fundamental failing as a show. Like, it's not necessarily good that James killed all of those men. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... But those men weren't good either. Those... There were... There are three villains in that scene. The man that gave the order, the man following the orders, and the man that killed the men for following the orders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, that... Because the thing is that, like, he saved those people. It's not as if they... It's not as if, like the CIA people killed all of them and he killed them in revenge, he did save the lives of those people. Mm -hmm. Like, he did it in a way that's really fucked up and whatever, Mm -hmm. but, like, there's probably another way to do it. But, like, like, mission accomplished. Yeah. Like, and it is, I think, like, like, if you're going to make a, and this is, like, a controversial thing, I don't know, it's, like, I'm, on a basic utilitarian level, like, on a basic, like, trolley problem level, mm-hmm. that, like, one of these groups got to die. You're glad that it was the army? Exactly. Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> 
because they signed up for that. They are trained for that. This group of civilians, women and children, they are not. Like, Mm -hmm. that is just, like, it is fundamentally better. And the fact that they would die, like, to cover up someone's ego. Yeah. Like, that's, like, a whole, like, it's, like, there's a lot of messy politics about, like, collateral damage and, like, all that kind of stuff. And, like, all of that. I mean, war is inherently unethical. Whatever. But, like, this is, (laughs) this is fucked Every, it's not like it's unavoidable. Some people might get it. It's like, no, I want you to kill them, but not because of any like actual wrongdoing by anyone around them. I want you to kill them because they, their lives make me look bad. Exactly. That's yeah. like, that's so bankrupt. That's it's so bankrupt. And that's, so ethically bankrupt. I will bankrupt. say, I'm not saying that the CIA has not done stuff like this. The CIA has definitely done stuff like oh, this. For sure. Like it is like, the CIA is a terrible organization. Like, they are, I think the show is right to depict the CIA as full of men like this because it is full of men like this. Like, sure. has been since its inception. Yep. Like, it is a fundamentally terrible, bad organization that makes the world worse. But the way that, like, this is played is horrible. Like, mm-hmm. the way that, like, the guy is delivering it, the way that right. we're supposed to read it is just, like, wild. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, it is miscalculating how we should feel about this moment. Yep. Yeah, and and I I think you're 100 percent right that this is a fundamental flaw of Burn Notice. Exactly, and I and frankly of a lot of Matt Smith's shows or Matt, Matt Smith, Matt Nix's shows. No, of course, <laughs> like this is like the thing about Matt Nix. Like this is the fundamental thing about Matt Nix laid bare right there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's talk about some spy tips. Let's do it. So like all the spy tips were kind of bad. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's the, that's the kind of trend of this season. Is the season is doing something different? This was like. Another episode where, like, it was saying a lot of stuff that's kind of obvious or stuff that we've talked about before. Yeah, there were at least two that I clocked as I was watching the show that I was like, we've had that tip before. Right. I cut a bunch of those out. I left five so that we could have five. Okay. Uh, I think these are probably the five strongest, but also... We'll see. We'll see. All right. So, there are a few things riskier than taking down a high-priority target during a meeting in a public place. You're usually operating alone, out of radio contact, surrounded by civilians while your support has to stay out of sight, often blocks away, so they won't be detected. The hardest part of the job is that until the target shows up, your job is to just sit there and try and act natural. The thing to remember is that you are not just setting a trap, you are also the bait. So what am I taking away from this? Here's the thing about this. And I don't even know if this is a good tip or like... It felt weird to me... Like, that they were so far away. Like, I mean, they're right, though. You know, you have to be. That's what I'm saying is that, like... Especially for someone as, like, big and terrifying as James. The way that they describe it in here makes sense. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't know if I would have put people... Partially because I watched Burn Notice, wherein, like, they're always just on the next roof. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, they should be farther away than that? So it's kind of like, I'm looking at the tip and going, oh, that's a good tip if I'm, like... It's contradicted by everything else that you do, but I also see the logic in it. That's why I kept it. I don't think that's enough. No, I agree. But, like, that is the reason that I kept it. That's fair. We already don't have five tips. See what's next. Operating in third world countries, a dollar is usually a lot more useful than a bullet. In a place where the government runs on bribes and connections, you can get a lot more done with a nice suit and a bag of cash. I am pretty sure we've gotten this before. Yeah, it's also like you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. Exactly. Uh, so fuck that one too. What if there are none of them? I think I'm, tra- <laughs> I'm trying to remember if there's any of them that are like great. If you need to sabotage a boat, an explosive, an explosive charge underneath the water line is usually the most efficient way to do it. The challenge is that normal explosive devices and salt water don't mix. Remote detonators won't transmit underwater, so you need to use a timer. The components can't get wet, so you need to make sure the device has a waterproof seal. And once you're done, comes really, once you're done comes the really hard part, putting the device where you need it. There's enough stuff in there. Like, remote detonators not working underwater. Yeah. Um, components can't get wet. Salt water doesn't mix. I'm not sure why salt water is different from fresh water. I was just going to make that same comment, but you know what? I'm tired. They I don't can know if have this one. I don't know if it's because... Because here's the thing. I don't know why salt water is different. I also don't know why remote detonators won't transmit underwater. So maybe those things are related. Maybe. Like... I, I don't care and they can have this one. I mean, the way that it's set up does kind of suggest that, but I don't mm-hmm. know. Anyway. 
So yeah. I, I have to take them at their word. Right. An underwater explosion isn't something you want to be close to because the water doesn't compress under pressure. The shockwave carries long distance without losing kinetic energy. And, and if you're still in the blast radius when the bomb goes off, that kinetic energy will shatter every bone in your body. This is useful. This is useful. This, I is, this is like a um, like a Mythbusters style thing. Like if you're right. underwater, does the bullet not hit? Exactly. It's a lot like that. Um, finally, one of the oldest tricks at espionage is the false surrender of a prisoner. It's a desperate move used only when you're completely outmanned and outgunned. It means approaching your enemy alone and unarmed. It's not ideal, but it will get you close enough to attack. What do you think of that one? Uh, I mean, there's nothing about it. It's like, hey, do you know false surrender is a thing? I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that's anything. I think the two watery bomb ones are the only ones that I will allow. It's the only time that, Here, the, the only time that it was. I also hate all Apple products. Anyway, so that's only two spy tips. Yep. Only two spy tips from one scene. <laughs> Frankly, I probably in recapping would have made them the same scene. The only reason they're separated is because that's how the Burn Notice Wiki made them. Right. Oh my gosh. So doesn't win on spy tips. Is there spycraft over violence in this one? Yes. I. Is there? Y yeah. Uh, I mean, they aren't necessarily violent. They're, like, making it seem true. like violence might happen. That's true. And then also the whole mental facility one. Yeah. Instead of going them guns blazing, they pretend there's a quarantine. Even if that comes to nothing aesthetically, it is an example of. And it starts as, like, a con. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's spycraft. Yeah. There's no alias. Michael never becomes part of the con, so. Yeah. Um, there's no alias. So we're this is not... A uh, great episode for us, mm. but are at least two supporting characters used well? Does Fee get to blow something up or be the co-protagonist? No, nope. She is not involved in the bomb. Nope. Is Sam peak Bruce Campbell? He's both Chuck Finley and drinking the fancy champagne for no reason other than because it's on the CIA's dime. All right, so we got that. Yes. Uh, is Jesse a distinct addition rather than a redundancy? I don't think so. I don't know because I'm trying to think of like how different he, the he... hospital stuff would have gone if it would have been Michael. I don't, I don't think, think that it, much. Not that different. Mm -mm. I agree. He wasn't, like, noticeably Jesse about it. No, he wasn't. He was noticeably Kobe Bell about it, and we like Kobe Bell, but that's different. That's different from Jesse. So, yeah. yeah, I agree. And Madeline, I don't even remember what Madeline she does. She has one scene with Fiona where she's like... Oh, that, we Michael, like that scene. We like that scene, but is that a genuine emotional moment? I guess I I did yeah. really like the line, I might be Michael's mother, but I'm also your friend. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I'll give it to him. They All right. It. So we got two. Yeah. So they did get that. Um, but that is not enough to be a great episode of Burn Notice. Is this a great episode of television? No. We it's, already agree that it's not. It's way too sloppy to be a great it's episode of television. It's way too sloppy. And I guess that this proves that uh, women shouldn't be allowed to make television. <laughs> That's not true. We, Lisa Joy has written some of our favorite episodes. This is why I was trying to remember if there was another one that was a combination. Because I feel like there was one episode where we were like, this is why women should write television. I think it was the episode where the like couples retreat episode. Right. Yeah. Was that directed by a guy? I don't think so. Yeah. Or no, I think it was directed by a guy. Right. Okay. Hang on. I can find that episode really quickly. Uh, Lisa Joy, directed by Michael Smith. Michael Smith. All right. Yeah. So no, yeah. I, yeah, I really don't think there's been a, a, a an all lady. Right. Yep. All right. Well, yeah, but, you know, it's also, like I said earlier, this is the last episode that has one credited writer. Yeah. Like, this is clearly, like, the last kind of setting things up episode mm -hmm. before we go into like end game end game yeah and I, I mean and that episode is never great no it's it, i mean it's a hard episode to write it's you're you're inherently not set up for success right even the handful of times that michael horowitz has had to do this episode he doesn't do a good job and i and that's not the writer's fault usually like there's again there's like no way to it's really hard to do this kind of episode well because mm -hmm. there's like the goals of it are so practical yeah and like so not really artistic it's so yeah, you know, just moving pieces together, like, you know. Especially with just how much information we need to convey to, right. like, get everybody in position. It's going to, it's it's always going to be a little sloppy. Right. Especially for a show like this that doesn't have a leader that I think would make it easier. That is also just, like, not that used to, like, this kind of storytelling. Because, mm -hmm. like... This feel this season feels even more than last season like 
a fundamentally different kind of show. Yeah, it's more ambitious, it's more experimental, it's more emotional. Yeah, and like, this is a new thing that they're doing. And so like... And I and I commend yeah. them for it. The thing that's about this season is that like, it makes me really frustrated that this is the last season. I know. It's like they're yeah. definitely going out on a bang, which I'm glad yeah. of. But it's like, why Why haven't we been doing this the whole time? Mm-hmm. You know, and like, I know why, but still. Right. Anyway, then there's nothing left to say but to thank Vincent E.L. for our theme music. If you want more from Vincent, go to vincentel.bandcamp.com. Um, I can say words. I don't know what's going on with me today. My mouth is really dry, even though it's not. It's weird. Anyway, <laughs> there's nothing else left to say, but bye. Yeah, fucking... Daylight Savings Time really just threw us both for a loop. We started today both being like, I might be dead. I know I'm walking around, but I, I feel like we both had like walking corpse syndrome today. Uh-huh. We were just both very unmoored from reality. Anyways, um, is this it? Is happy this- burn notice, everyone. Yeah.